What would you think if I told you that you can take Josie's finest shopping center around with you in your pocket? What? What? This is the Rosebank Mall podcast at Rosebank Mall for world-class lifestyle content and updates on your favorite mall. Bringing you a little bit of that Rosebank Mall glamour. Uh-huh. Even when you can't be with us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Rosebank Mall podcast, where we talk to you about all things Rosebank Mall, fashion, food, leisure, and today, uh, the world's favorite beverage, coffee. And with me today, we have uh, Ishan Natalie, the beverage and operations lead at Starbucks Coffee. Of course, Starbucks uh, Cafe here at Rosebank Mall is the first Starbucks Cafe in South Africa. And uh, Ishan, I'm going to let you take it away and explain to everyone a little bit about what you do with Starbucks. Thanks, Marco. Uh, Thanks for having us on your show. Um, So I joined the business almost five years ago uh, to launch the brand in market as one of the support members of the team members. And my role's evolved to now focus on my specialty, which is coffee. Um, and Head Up Beverage, which is also one of my specialties. So overall, I plan and map out the future campaigns where you see the changes in our stores with new beverages, new products, um, drive our coffee, um, passion and knowledge in in stores as well as quality, and fulfill a bit of an operations role behind the scenes to set the stores up for success. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about this brown liquid that we're all (laughs) addicted to, we're also in love with called coffee. Um, a lot of people perhaps may still be in the odd uh, in-between world where we've seen coffee grow in such a huge way and coffee shops have been ex- in existence forever. But in terms of this quick grab-and-go coffee, uh, the difference between that and the at-home instant coffee that we're so used to seeing just ac- across yeah. the world and across the country. Yeah, so I think it comes down to quite a lot of uh, socioeconomic circumstances in terms of what type of customer profiles there are where instant coffee sits versus coffee in a coffee shop. For instance, only 5% of the world's coffees grown actually make their way into coffee shops, uh, to specialty roasters and coffee shops, purely based on the quality. Now, there's 95% of coffee left over that needs a home. And so it works on a tiering system where instant coffee companies will buy in at better prices because of the, the quality, et cetera. Um, and that's where you'll see, actually, in the instant coffee market, there's quite a big gap between quality and pricing. So all of the coffees bought in the industry will support the farming communities across the world. Um, uh, and we are lucky that we fall within that space of the top five but Starbucks buys in the top 3% of coffees for the normal coffee range. And then we're so uh, pedantic about quality and rare coffees that we have the reserve brand, like the store in Rosebank, um, where we buy in the world's top 1% um, of coffees, which are extremely rare and extremely small lot where you might not have the coffee again, which makes it really, really exclusive. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. And I, I, something that I've grown to love uh, is the Reserve brand. But let's talk a little bit about what distinguishes that specifically from just the common coffee shop specialty coffee. And then furthermore, what's distinguished that from the instant coffee range? Okay. So 
It's no secret, we buy coffees from the same farms as quite a lot of people. There's a local roaster here uh, owned by a friend of mine uh, that's really infamous in the industry that buys from the exact same farm in Rwanda as one of the farms we buy from. So I was very privileged to go to that farm a few years ago on a Starbucks experience to, to see the ethical sourcing practices that we do and the work that we do with farmers. And that's where I got to learn that we buy the same coffee. <laughs> but where the separation happens is Starbucks, as uh, one of the global leaders in coffee in terms of buying power and the ability to pay farmers a really high premium, we guarantee the most top tier of the coffees coming out of that farm. For instance, in, once coffee is picked and starts getting processed, like in the wet mills where coffees are depulped and washed and fermented to be cleaned, there's different levels of quality that happens there. There's called flotation tanks in water. Our coffee is filtered down 13 times more than the general coffee roaster or purchaser's quality. So we are getting the top of the toppest range out of that farm, which is secured way in advance between our Starbucks coffee trading company, who sits in Switzerland, and the Seattle team, which are responsible for quality. So they negotiate all of this. So same farm, just different tiers of quality. We guarantee a higher price than market price to our farmers, which is really, really fantastic. We also have an instant range. Um, so it's called Starbucks Via. It is sachet coffee, one cup at a time. But what we do compared to a lot of the industries, we still use that high tier coffee that we buy from the farmers. And we micro grind it. It's a patented system where real beans are ground so fine that it can dissolve in water. Um, and that technology is phenomenal and it's very, very rare to find. Um, Sorry, and just to interrupt there, this is as opposed to other instant coffees which use a chemical or something that they mix yeah. with coffee to give you the ability to dissolve yeah. in boiled water? So most instant coffee are freeze-dried. So what happens is the coffees are bulk roasted. Um, there's no focus really on flavor development, like really tweaking the roast, etc. They bulk roast them, bulk brew them, and then those, that liquid coffee is infused with liquid nitrogen. Um, and then put into chambers where those gases release and create coffee crystals. Um, so it's basically crystallized liquid coffee, which is why when you add hot water to it, it instantly brews, right. um, hence the term instant coffee. Okay, so this is sort of the common coffee that we were all sort of used to growing up Correct. Uh, before the specialty sort of coffee That's experience it. and the real uh, connoisseurs of coffee joined us <laughs> in the common practice world. Yeah, and it's been such an interesting year with instant coffee. A lot of coffee, instant coffees have been debunked. Uh, there's been conspiracy theories and things that have come out where some coffee, instant coffee companies are not really classified as coffee um, because of other things added. So it just depends on, on the coffee company, the brand and the coffee. Um, some instant coffees are mixed with things like chicory and chicory is a root. Uh, that when you is really easily to grow, easy to grow, um, and when you roast it and brew it, tastes like coffee. Smells and tastes like coffee. Right. <laughs> so uh, it's not really coffee. No, some of no, the instant exactly. coffee that's available to you in like supermarkets, etc. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the grading system a little bit, and and let's get into exactly how intricate it is for you guys to use this top one percent of this Starbucks Reserve range 
that you're offering in very select cafes across yeah. the country? So I think the toughest part is ensuring constant supply of these coffees. Um, but I think that it's so amazing. It's customers always looking for amazing new experiences. And the reserve brand really allows us to showcase and offer customers something new and different and elevated level to what we are right now. Um, we have coffees that come in every two months that change. So every two to three months, we'll see a transition of these small, rare, smaller coffees. There is a coffee coming out, I can't mention right now, <laughs> um, in September that we haven't received before. So it's the first time that we've managed to get coffee out of these farmers, out of this country, out of this origin. Um, and this is testament to the work we do behind the scenes with coffee farmers. We run a program called Cafe Practices. It's our own ethical sourcing uh, and best practices system that is monitored by a third party and in partnership with Conservation International. Um, and what it looks at, how do we help farmers grow more coffee in the same space and still deliver high quality coffee, get more money in return, but also showcase transparency of where the money is exchanged because like any trading in most countries, money can get lost along the way and the person that actually put in the effort in growing it uh, gets the least out of it. So we have an amazing tracking system to ensure that the value that we had committed to reaches that farmer, uh, which is fantastic. It also looks at social responsibility, um, you know, good labor practices, uh, good conditions for the, the farmers and the workers, um, no child labor, that's ex extreme no-no. Sure. Um, and then also environmental leadership. So how do we not destroy more land to grow more coffee and grow better quality coffee? Um, so these are some of the things that go into um, those aspects of Starbucks coffees uh, and especially reserve, yeah. That's excellent. And it gives great peace of mind to the consumer with the coffee industry in general having quite a bad rap over the past yeah. uh, few years in terms of its ethical sourcing of coffee and, and just Correct. Um, falling victim to the world's clamoring desire for more and more coffee yeah. and at better and better prices. That's it. And, uh, you know, it came to fruition that there was a lot of unethical trade in the in the coffee industry in general. Yeah. And so it's it's great to hear that the consumer has great peace of mind behind this, the Starbucks brand. Yeah, and, you know, it's I don't think a lot of people know about this. Um, we have been changing our packaging to talk more about our sustainability and how we impact the lives of farmers. Um, you know, you hear of certifications like fair trade that people really um, endorse and drive. You hear things like Rainforest Alliance, which is then aligned to the environmental stuff. But none of these certifications are holistic and look at every aspect of impacting people's and coffee farmers' lives positively. And that's where cafe practices came to fruition. Um, and there's so many great initiatives, like um, I brought a Rwanda coffee for you today. It's yeah. called Rwanda Abu Kanda Thank Kawa. you so much for that. I'm so excited to You're try You're welcome. It is a coffee that's very dear to me and to Starbucks because it's one of the coffees that really showcases the great work that Starbucks does with coffee communities and cafe practices. Um, you know, sometimes you read a story or you read things and you say, oh, I can't be true. Um, but I was very privileged to go to these farms and actually see it in action. And there's something really cool there. I mean, everyone knows the story of Rwanda and the genocide. Yes. Um, and these farmers from these different tribes, the Tutsis and the Hutus, live together. They live amongst each other in these rural areas. Um, and their livelihood is surrounded by coffee. 
Sure. Um, so we work with them. Uh, one of the projects in cafe practices is called Send a Cow. So it started many years ago where Howard Schultz on a, on a farm visit um, asked the farmer, what would he like uh, from Starbucks? Uh, what can we do better and to help him? And he asked for a cow. Um, so very intrigued with this. They asked why. And then we learned the, the benefits of a cow, for instance, produces milk. Um, for more nutrition for the farmers when they have bad seasons and can't have enough food. Um, you know, when the cow gets old, it can be sold for money. Um, natural manure, natural uh, pesticide through the urine. Um, and it just evolved from there into a fantastic thing where when we gift a cow to a farmer in Rwanda, we expect that when they have, when the cow rears a calf, that the calf is gifted to a neighboring farmer from the different tribe of where they would normally have clashed in genocide, creating reconciliation and unity and hope um, once again. So there's all these fantastic initiatives um, that surround the efforts that we put into our coffee, um, which is the value behind buying a bag of Starbucks coffee. Absolutely incredible. And it's an amazing story to hear from us, especially if you live within the city in major cities. Uh, we don't think in depth about the impact that a single cow can have on a yeah. community. You know, behind every bean, behind every bag, behind every cup that you drink, there's a person or people. Um, coffee goes through this amazing supply chain where it impacts millions of people. One coffee can impact thousands of people down the line. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's all about preserving not only coffee, it's preserving the livelihoods of these farmers, this is their income. I mean, we're privileged to have the jobs that we have and live in cities, but these farmers don't have anything. They live hours away from the closest city. They live up on the foot of mountains, hilltops, um, no access to water, electricity, and the likes. And they just so happen to have coffee growing in the backyard, which is liquid gold, as we call it. Sure. Uh, you know, it's one of the rarest and most sought um, products in the world. Sadly, a lot of the farmers across the world don't know what coffee really is. It's a very sad truth. And they don't know the value behind the coffee, which is where they can be taken advantage of, quite sadly. Um, I remember I attended a conference in Tanzania once, and farmers, I was brewing coffee for farmers, um, and they asked me, what is this? And I said, but this is your product. This is your coffee. They're like, they didn't know that they... Their product was being used to be to make a beverage for people to enjoy. They actually thought that their coffees were being sold for or traded for ammunition for a war, and, and it's so sad. That's so, terribly so sad. sad. Speaking of cows, and uh, there's been a massive new movement in the the vegan movement and people yeah. not wanting to use animal products. Mm -hmm. um, how have Starbucks addressed this on their side with alternative milks, alternatives to dairy? Yeah. So we have a really great range. We have four dairy alternatives within our range, and we are focusing really hard on growing vegan options for customers. So like the rest of the industry, we have our own um, soy milk, almond milk, and coconut milk as our primary offers. Um, and we were the first to bring oat milk into the market uh, about a year and a half, two years ago. Um, but the market was not ready for it then. Sure. I didn't know about it. But oat milk is phenomenal uh, with uh, coffee. It tastes really great and has a lot of health benefits to it, which is really cool. We are developing a new, unique um, dairy alternative um, offer that will be trialed in other markets at first early next year. 
um, because almond milk is not um, sustainable sure. um, mm-hmm. because it impacts the bee communities, uh, etc. So we are creating our own nut blend, um, uh, which will replace almond milk, for instance, and possibly replace the other alternatives to be a more nutritious value um, and more sustainable. Sustainability and um, customer choice is very important to us. So we've even, everyone knows about the pumpkin spice latte, yes. the big, you know, the big name in Starbucks. Once a year we, we promote pumpkin spice. Um, so it is coming back this year. Um, so very, very excited exciting. about that. And last year we trialed for the first time a vegan version of the sauce, um, which tasted phenomenal. And so it returns this year. Um, and in our stores in general, customers can substitute their dairy or their sugar um, inputs to non-sugar and non-dairy alternatives because that market is growing. It's, it's great to hear that uh, sustainability is still key in the mind where a lot of people who are vegan, the choices are specific for, for sustainability, yeah. uh, specifically uh, choosing to be vegan to not impact the environment as heavily. Yeah. And almond milk came into the market for the vegan market. And as you rightly said, the sustainability of it and its impact on the environment doesn't actually allow it to be a a proper alternative to dairy products. Correct. And and sadly, the consumer doesn't know this. You know, Um, most people don't know the impact of consuming more almond milk or producing more almonds. Look, I love almonds. It's one of my favorite things. But now that I know the impact that it has on the environment, uh, and I, I love bees and how it impacts bees, um, I refrain from having anything almond because uh, bees it grow life. They preserve life. And they're such um, a huge, important element to the environment. Exactly. So, yeah, so I, I look for other alternatives. That's why option is great. Customers get to make their own choice. Uh, I'm very proud to be part of a brand that's developing something to replace that. Um, Yeah, and we've been working really hard behind the scenes of growing our dairy alternative platform across beverages as well as food. Because food is one of those areas where it's hard to find vegan-friendly food, especially in an environment like ours. Um, But we are adamant on finding solutions um, to improve those ranges. Excellent news. Uh, let's go a little bit uh, more in detail in terms of the oat milk alternative, uh, because this is something new and perhaps something that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah. In terms of how it affects the coffee, how it blends with the coffee, you're saying that it's, it's an excellent alternative yeah. to dairy in terms of how it complements coffee. Mm-hmm. And one of the big elements that a lot of people would question about these sort of milks is its ability to froth. Yeah. And uh, the, the latte art world <laughs> is such an important part of That's it. how to do that. And it's quite difficult to yeah. do with these alternatives to dairy. That's it. So we as coffee professionals and baristas, we take pride in what we serve a customer. Um, people buy by sight. So latte art is not only an achievement for us, but something that customers love to see. And one of the biggest challenges with dairy alternatives is uh, influence on flavor of how it can change the flavor of that of the dairy alternative can change the flavor of the the coffee, but also the ability to foam. Because you don't have those natural fats and sugars like you do in dairy from lactose and the likes, um, you don't get that beautiful creamy foam. Um, But this is where a lot of companies have worked hard on developing ranges that can foam really well, not influence the taste as much, um, and give you a great quality beverage. But sadly, all of the development comes at a much higher price. Sure. So you do hear customers get quite upset. Why are you charging 
so much more for a dairy alternative surely should be a substitute but to produce that cup of coffee with a dairy alternative costs so much more um, especially when it comes to oat milk it's the most expensive um, but yeah there's a lot of innovation in there in how a barista can still drive the craft and the customer can have a great experience with dairy alternatives similar to that of a normal beverage. It's this education that's an important part of that as these alternatives grow in the market and I believe that as anything grows into the market especially these alternatives it will help reduce the cost to the consumer Correct. as it becomes more and more popular and more and more influential in, in the total that's it. Uh, influence of that product in, in the total product offering and yeah. volume output. For sure. I mean, uh, if you look at soy, uh, dairy alternative as an example, everyone used to try, uh, charge extra for soy um, a few years ago. But now, I'm not sure about other brands, but we don't charge for soy anymore because the amount of soy that's been demanded and produced helps to support that supply chain cost to bring it down. Um, so I think similarly, almond milk and coconut milk, uh, as well as oat milk, as that demand increases across the world, and manufacturers can produce it cheaper. Um, you know, we shouldn't see these surcharges on these on these drinks uh, for your rand under. per cup. That's it, as it were. Correct. Um, it, it's great to hear about these alternatives. But let's go back into the nitty gritty of coffee and uh, having coffee at home. And of course, uh, as we were saying, the the culture of coffee has evolved. Um, the culture of how you produce your coffee at home has evolved as well. Let's get into that a little bit. Uh, and what would be an easy way for people to accelerate their coffee experience at home and, and to bring it up to another level? Okay, so, you know, it's it's very hard for a lot of people to get to a coffee shop to, to have a premium cup of coffee. And that's where coffee at home is really important. Um, so an easy way is to start off with the French press and great quality coffee. So that's that's your foundation blocks. Um, and then from there you can experiment with different brew methods because different brew methods give you a different cup profile. Um, and it's a lot of fun because you, you find your way to your taste preference. Every coffee has a different flavor profile based on its geographical location, the terroir in which it grows, how it was grown, how it was processed, how it was roasted. Um, but that can also be influenced, the flavor can be influenced by how you brew it. So there's so many brewing methods out there right now. You hear the likes of pour over a Chemex, a siphon brewer, Aeropress. Um, so I guess it comes down to the individual as they evolve in their um, obsession with coffee or bring better coffee at home. And it sure is an obsession. It is an obsession. <laughs> I mean, I get into trouble with my wife every time I bring something new home as a brewing <laughs> device. We're running out of space. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, the first steps, a French press um, and really good quality coffee is your first starting blocks. Then from there, if you want to, you know, the best thing is to grind coffee fresh every time you brew it because those natural gases of carbon dioxide that's trapped in the coffee from the roasting process um, helps to trap in flavor and aroma, which is, you know, 85 to 90% of what you enjoy comes from the aroma side of things, not really on what you taste on your palate. Yeah. Um, it's that sensory connection between your nasal passage and your, and your tongue that creates a flavor uh, experience that you're having. So that is why when you're sick, you can't, you don't enjoy something as much as before because you can't, can't smell, smell the taste, as they would say. Um, so yeah, so grinding fresh is always important. 
Um, if you don't, if you can't invest in a grinder, um, you know your local coffee shops, like even ours, we will grind your coffee fresh for you. The only challenge is coffee once ground starts to flatten out and lose its freshness really quickly because those carbon dioxide gases have all been crushed, uh, ground out. So that's another upscale to your coffee experience at home, uh, for sure. And then following the brewing standards, um, people laugh at us when we say, you gotta measure your coffee to your water. You gotta <laughs> use filtered water, not just tap water. Tap All of these things influence the quality uh, in what you're gonna experience. You know, water is a massive obsession of mine as well. Um, and filtered water not only cleans out dirt from water, but it actually cleans out those natural traces of things like magnesium, copper, silver, magnesium, and reduces them down to a level that basically magnetizes itself to the same nutrients or components in the coffee to give you a better tasting experience. Because um, quite a lot of these things that we see in a glass of water, well, we can't really see them, but yes. they influence the taste of coffee. Um, and that's what why filtered water is so good, is to clean out anything that can mask the natural flavor of coffee. So just a normal consumer level filter that you place onto the tap in your home, that you run your tap water through the filter. That's it. And then place that into your kettle, Correct. boil the water at that point, and yeah. then brew your coffee. And I've noticed there's more and more um, filter jugs out there, jugs that you can filter water through. Uh, I work with a company very closely that does um, at-home solutions and business solutions that are really great. Um, so there's so many solutions out there. And I think if you just chat to your local roaster or coffee shop, they'll be able to guide you in the right direction to, to help you. And it's become inexpensive, which is helpful. Excellent. And then inexpensive alternatives, hand grinding your coffee, things like that over an electrical grinder. I know that they, <laughs> it's a lower price profile. It's the easiest point to get in at. Yeah. So there are quite a lot of hand grinders out in the market. It's actually growing phenomenally at this moment. The rate at which they are developing hand grinders to be cheaper and more unique is phenomenal. Um, there's a lot of brands out there and a lot of supplies of grinders, but they don't necessarily they become cheaper. I have a hand grinder that cost me two and a half thousand rand, um, <laughs> but it was proper German precision blades and both really amazing. But you can get grinders at a really good price right now to really elevate the coffee experience at home. Um, the one key thing though for consumers is those spice grinders that people normally buy um, are not efficient because it's a single blade that crushes away coffee until it goes as fine as you want. And what happens is it creates a vortex and the coffees stay coarser at the top and fine at the bottom. It creates inconsistencies and you won't have a really great drinking experience. Whenever you buy, you want to buy a proper coffee hand grinder, and they'll always have terms like burrs. Burrs are a term for coffee blades, um, where there's two that work against each other to create a confined space and grind coffee evenly. Right, so you want a really consistent grind. Um, yeah. And obviously then thereafter you can experiment by the, the thickness of your grind. Correct, that's it. So, you know, depending on the brew method that you're using, you have to grind coffee very differently. For instance, if you want that rich, really creamy espresso taste and for coffee to really come through those filter baskets with really minute holes, you need to go fine. Um, if you brew a French press and you use a, ground, a fine ground coffee that you use for espresso, for instance, 
those little particles of granules of coffee will float through the metal filter and you'll have quite a lot and of sediment of coffee taste. in your mouth. Yeah. So, so your, your coffee will actually taste those granules in That's it. That's it. And it ruins the, exactly. the experience of the coffee. And the ground is also relative to your brew time. So all filter brewing methods in average is everyone works between two to four minutes. You can go up to six minutes. I like to brew coffee at three minutes for filter brewing. So what you're trying to do is balance the, the grind size to the brew time to give you a coffee that tastes sweet, soft acidity, subtle bitterness in the coffee, and overall round and smooth mouthfeel. Um, if you leave coffee for too long in contact with water, it can become really bitter. If it's too short contact uh, with water, it tastes really sour and weak. So also if you're doing a pour over, the, the way you grind the coffee will influence the f rate of flow of water through the coffee, which will influence that time and influence flavor uh, relatively. So all the science behind <laughs> coffee that we don't tend to think about, but there's a huge amount that goes into yeah, it. There's a massive amount of science behind coffee. With your, your Starbucks reserve range, uh, I understand that most of your coffee would be machine coffee in, in the Starbucks range, just your general Starbucks range. You're going to be having an espresso pushed through uh, uh, very high-end machines that yeah. you have in your cafes. Um, in the reserve range, that's where you guys get a little bit more experimental and bring a little bit more of an experience to the consumer. Let's talk a little bit about that and... and people hunting for the experience, wanting to leave the house for a reason, more than just a great tasting cup of coffee, but to actually have an experience when visiting the cafe. Yeah, so the reserve bars were designed to be a showpiece, a uh, sort of museum for coffee passion and coffee quality, and also experiences for customers. You know, customers generally don't remember a product on its own, but they'll always have a memory of an experience. And the reserve bars, where it complements the normal bar, which is designed for more speed and consistency for customers, is designed more for you to take the time to relax, to get to know coffee, to spend time with the barista that will take you through the art and the science behind the coffee and put a personality behind the coffee. Um, you know, the reserve bars allows the baristas to, to take you on the journey from where that coffee seedling started to how it ended up in that cup that you're drinking, the people that are behind that, and how every step has played a role in what you are tasting. Um, you know, it's very much like wine. Coffee and wine are very similar in terms of how they are grown and processed and what you're trying to achieve in terms of flavor. And it is sadly undervalued compared to wine, and a lot of us are trying to understand why and how do we get people to appreciate coffee at that level of wine and justify the prices, you know, um, and the likes. But the reserve bars, yeah, you get to experience the same coffee across five different brewing methods, for instance, because you'll, for instance, if a coffee has flavors of chocolate, caramel, and apple, those different brewing methods will bring out a different peak of those flavors, so you'll have a different experience. Um, and that's quite exciting to go. Sorry to interrupt you. Can we have an example of that? So uh, if there is a coffee blend that gives you a lot of hints of chocolate, mm -hmm. caramel, apple, yeah. which, uh, for an example, a pour-over would accentuate one of those flavors? Yeah, so your pour-overs in Chemex will accentuate a lot more acidity in the coffee. They'll highlight those natural fruity flavors in coffee. So, for instance, if you had to brew that coffee in a pour-over, you'll get that apple standing out more than the chocolate and caramel. 
versus if you do an immersion brewing, which is a filter brewing method, for instance, or French press, um, you get a more even brewing and an equal bit of everything standing out um, versus a siphon brewer, which works as a vacuum pot and constant heat. That will probably bring out more of a darker side of the chocolate, maybe the caramel a bit more um, because of the high pressure, high heat. Um, so it's all the scientific elements that affects what flavors are drawn out of the coffee or stand out more. Well, and even for me as a coffee lover, this is a lot of information that I'm taking in that I didn't know before. So it's really worthwhile for a customer to go in and experience the reserve, especially if you're around the Rosebank Mall area. Uh, like we said, this is a, an offering that's not available in all the cafes. It's, this is something that is available throughout South Africa, but it's not every Starbucks cafe that has a reserve section. Correct. So in the Rosebank area, it's certainly a great idea to come in and have that experience with your coffee and the education behind the coffee that you're drinking yeah. just adds so much more to it. That's it. And you know, we've been very privileged to have been nominated. The Rosebank store specifically has been nominated in this year's Coffee Magazine Awards. Um, the Coffee Magazine is a local uh, media representative of uh, the Specialty Coffee Association of South Africa um, and the only in South Africa coffee magazine developed in South Africa. And they have awards every year for different categories in coffee. And I, I was over the moon when I saw the nomination um, for the best brew experience, um, alternative brewing experience in South Africa amongst other coffee places. So that was really great to see. It's great to be recognized for all the hard work that you guys do behind the scenes to bring Definitely. us our favorite beverage. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Palette. And Starbucks, obviously globally known, uh, started in Seattle as a small coffee shop that catered to the region and just exploded across the whole planet. We see Starbucks cafes across China, uh, across Europe, uh, Australia, South Africa now, and of course, North and South America. Let's talk about Starbucks in terms of them wanting to bring that consistency across the planet. Yeah, so, you know, traditionally, if you look at our roasts, um, we've always had darker roasts in our supply. Uh, and behind our bars, we've always had a signature dark roast. And this was developed, obviously, with the company starting in Seattle. The American consumers wanted bigger volumes of milk. And how do you have a coffee that stands out against the big volumes of milk? So we had to go dark roast. Um, and then darker roasts also help to create a consistent experience across the world because the lighter you roast coffee, the more the difference in waters in different regions will expose different elements in the coffee. Now, as a brand that's global, you want customers to have the same experience no matter where they go. That's why they're coming to you. You know, I live in Seattle, I'm traveling to South Africa, I want to have my favorite Starbucks coffee. So those, those longer roasting profiles that we push our coffee to, I'm not saying that all of our coffee is dark, but we have a unique way of roasting where we roast the coffees to a point where you can have a consistent flavor experience across the world, um, something fuller, even lighter in profile to the darker roast. Um, and it's just a special roasting technique that helps you to have the same taste across these 25 to 30,000 stores across the world. Um, because you have to be consistent as a brand. And for the South African palate, if it's not along the lines of that American palate that we discussed of them wanting these huge volumes of milk, like for me, for example, I prefer a flat white to a cappuccino. Yeah. You know, it's a shorter coffee uh, and you get more of the coffee flavor 
with less of that evening out that you get right. with the milk. Um, how have we been able to introduce this to the South African palate, and how different is it to what we were used to before? Yeah, so the South African community as a whole, in, as roasters and coffee shops, have progressed from darker, traditional Italian roast profiles down to lighter, more medium and light roasts. Um, so what we have done is, as much as traditionally we've had our dark espresso roast, we have also have an option that a lot of people don't know of called the blonde espresso roast. It was a more medium roast profile. Uh, blonde is a range of lighter roaster coffees um, in our company. And the blonde espresso roast was brought in to, to give the consumers who don't like those darker roasts a flavor option um, that is softer and, and easy on the palate and probably more known as a strength and flavor profile across South Africa. So that's really exciting. And we launched that over a year ago, um, a year and a half, almost two years ago. So what I love about our brand is that you can have an experience and a beverage catered to your taste. So we have coffees at different roast profiles to suit the strength that you like in coffee. We have beverages that can be customized to suit as well. Would you like your coffee stronger, weaker, hotter, cooler? And we have the systems in place to make this really quick and effortless for our baristas and our customers. And then you have the reserve brand, for instance, that has different coffee. So as an example, if you walk into a Starbucks store and you, for instance, you love flat white, you can order a flat white with the signature dark espresso roast, which is more bold, uh, rich caramel um, and the likes. A blonde espresso, which is more mellow and smooth, the soft acidity coming through. Reserve bar micro blend, which is more fruity in the cup profile as the standard blend. Or one of those single origin coffees that are seasonal in our reserve range. So in essence, you can choose between four coffees to customize your coffee experience besides the milk alternatives that we have and flavors if you want, um, all excluding decaf as well. We also have decaf. So that's the wonderful thing about this brand that I love. It's you're not excluding anyone. We always pride ourselves in being an all-inclusive brand where everybody is welcome and we cater to everybody. And that's the experience we try to deliver every single day. So it sort of really encourages you to experiment with the brand until you find what you really love, which from the Starbucks range you really love. That's it. And then you will still achieve that consistency that we spoke about as well. So once you've fallen in love with, for example, a blonde roast flat yeah. white, mm -hmm. is you know that you're going to get that. That's it. So, you know, I would encourage anyone who has not been to a Starbucks or not been to a Starbucks in a long time um, to find the, the coffee that suits them. You know, sit down with one of our baristas and have a coffee tasting around uh, a blonde espresso roast latte versus a signature espresso roast latte versus a reserved microblend. And you will, you're guaranteed to find that one coffee that suits you the most and, and create that Starbucks experience for yourself. So those of us who want to continue our coffee education and keep learning more and more about coffee, what can we do? How can we follow you and keep getting educated? Um, I assume we can speak to the baristas who are very knowledgeable in all of your yeah. cafes. And then beyond that, I know that you guys, uh, perhaps outside of the COVID world, when we return to a little bit of normalcy, can expect those great events that you guys have been offering. Yeah, so we, we, we have a tradition of doing coffee tastings every single day uh, amongst our partners. It's almost like a family meal where we'll have a coffee and discuss it and, and talk about it. We also do the same for customers, especially on coffee at home days when we want customers to experience what the coffees that you buy for home taste like. Because generally you buy stuff off a shelf and you don't know 
what you're buying. So we try and get you to taste that your way to which coffee you should buy for home. So we do miss having our coffee tastings and having these one-on-one -on -one experiences with customers. So when COVID's over, we look forward to having these events where we'll have coffee tastings. I want to do things like cupping events, helping customers develop their palates, find their favorite Starbucks coffee and the likes. Um, we, I also run a program for Starbucks called uh, the Coffee Master Program. So the Coffee Master Program is taking baristas with the highest passion and the highest leadership skills and developing the knowledge on coffee to the finer details of really understanding how every step in the farming process develops the cup experience that you have. So you'd see them with the baristas in stores wearing black aprons uh, rather than the normal green aprons. Those are the coffee masters. Um, those are the guys that you can really sit down and really go through the backbones behind coffee um, and those interests. Wonderful to hear. Uh, it's, I think we seem to have covered a whole lot of coffee. I, I understand that coffee goes even deeper and oh, even further, more, and yeah. I, I suppose we could talk for hours on end. Yeah. But it's been an absolutely wonderful chat with you, Sean. And uh, I look Likewise. forward to perhaps having you in here again where we can speak about the new ranges perhaps in September sometime, uh, where we can have a discussion on, on the new ranges and the new alternatives that we were discussing that yeah. are coming up mm -hmm. for you guys. So, yeah, I, I already have, I know what's coming a year, year and a half ahead. <laughs> uh, it's quite tough to keep things a secret, <laughs> <laughs> but we love surprising and delighting our customers. You know, we want to create traditional daily experiences for them, but also excite them with newness every few months. Um, but it's tough to keep those secrets, and I would love to share more about those um, unique products as they launch here. As they launch, I'd, I'd love to have you in here again. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank this you, has been Mark. the Rosebank Mall Podcast. Thank you for joining us once again. Uh, we had a chat with Starbucks Coffee today, and we're looking forward to having you back with us in future. Remember to subscribe to us if you're watching the podcast on YouTube, and also subscribe and follow our podcast on all of the audio platforms, uh, whichever suits you best. From me, for now, it's goodbye.